guys, welcome back to episode 33 of Talking with TK. I'm your host, Tristan Cannell. Special episode today, we're going to be doing things a little bit differently. I'm going to change the format up a little bit. Because soccer's kind of been in the spotlight in the last couple of weeks, I've decided to have a bit of a focus on three outstanding soccer players, uh, two from this country and one from uh, overseas. So the three guys, three guys and girls that I've been getting on today. I'm going to start with Alana Kennedy, who is a defender for the Matildas and also a midfielder at the Orlando Pride. Of course, the you know the Matildas have been the absolute you know pride and joy, I would say, of the country right now. They're doing outstandingly. Their last month of football has been absolutely just you know, unbelievable. When you think they went over to the USA, they played in the Tournament of Nations. They beat Japan 4-2. They beat the USA for the first time, 1-0. And they also beat our arch rivals, Brazil, 6-1. Then they come back here in front of packed crowds at both Newcastle and Penrith. In Newcastle, they won 3-2. Penrith, they won 2-1. And, you know, they're just they're just classy team. Really rock solid you can definitely tell. I've watched them for a long, long time now. They're just getting more and more depth, and you can just see the competition for spots are just really heating up. You know how good Sam Kerr, like the goals that she's been scoring, has been just absolutely tremendous. And you know, I want to really want to bring Alana on. She's rock solid in defence. She's so versatile in her playing ability, and you know, she's one of the real cores of that team. So it's going to be great to get her on. We're also going to get a couple of A League players on. So we've got Sydney FC. And also Johnny Warren, medalist from last year, so the play of the season. Milos Ninkovic, he's one of the best number 10s, if not one of the best players in the actual A-League. So it's going to be great to get him on. It's kind of a little bit surreal when you think that, you know, what back in the last World Cup, he actually played against us for Serbia. You know, it's, it's quite interesting how the world works and... You know, he's one of the, he was one of their central figures at the time, so he's quite an outstanding player, really nice guy as well. So I'm really glad to be bringing Milos on the show, and then our final guests will be Adam Tayet. Adam plays for the Perth Glory, scored 12 goals last year, so he's quite the golden boot. He actually has won the golden boot before, won it back in the the year before the World Cup. That's what really got him in. He scored 16 goals that season, and he's quite tremendous. I think Perth. Perth's really going to be one of the teams to watch this year, in my opinion. And it's going to be great just to see how the off-season has been tracking and what he what he feels ahead of the away clash with the Western Sydney Wanderers this Sunday night. With the, with the A-League kicking off, it's going to be great. It's you know I love rugby league, but it's always great to get a bit of a mix of soccer also chucked in there. And you know it's going to be a huge week for the Socceroos as well. On Thursday, they're going to be versing Syria in Malaysia. And the return leg, the all-important return leg, will be next Tuesday in Sydney. So it's going to be really interesting because Ange Postacoglu is under enormous pressure. You know, he did change the formation of the soccer roots to that 3-4-3. I don't think everyone's really sold so far on whether it's the best thing to do, especially in the middle of the World Cup period. I know both Robbie Slater and, and Mark Bosnich have both been very, very critical of Ange. So... You know, it's in front of them now. It's it's one of those situations that I think they're big guns. You know, the likes of Aaron Moy, Matthew Leckie, Tommy Jurek, probably Tommy Rogic as well. And the guy that I really think is going to be holding a key is Mark Milligan. And 
It's probably been, I reckon, the signing of the A-League offseason. To get him back at Melbourne Victory, I think, is going to be huge for them. They lost quite a few, a number of players, but I think with Mark being back in there, he does bring a lot of stability into that midfield. His leadership's outstanding, and I think for the Socceroos to get over the line, he's going to be having to be at his best, and I think a lot of the control of the midfield. And also protection of the defence. He, he might be in the defence because I know there's a, there's a couple of injuries back there, so... It's going to be interesting to see who Ange actually picks in the starting 11, but I'm pretty confident they're going to get the job done. At this stage, I'm predicting an away victory, 1-0, and I think they can get the job done at home too. I think 2-0, and I think hopefully you know they'll gel a little bit better than they did against both Thailand and Japan, and I've got all the confidence in the world, especially they've got a great record at ANZ Stadium in Sydney, so that's where I remember we got, I was at that game in 2006 when we beat Uruguay in penalties, and it's been a great ground and great stomping ground for us to actually qualify for the World Cup. So let's hope that actually comes in a bit of a luck for us. Anyway, before we get to the show, just a big shout out to everyone tuning in. If you haven't yet, please subscribe via iTunes or if you haven't got access to either iTunes on your computer or either on your iPhone as well, you can check out our website, www.talkingwithtk.com. All the episodes are on there, whether you've got an Android, mobile, you know, all the different devices that you can get, whether you've got an iPad or iPhone, you can also access them all through your podcast app. So please subscribe. If you haven't yet, please leave me a five-star review. Like I said, it is a little bit of a different format today, so I really hope you like it. My intention is to create it into a real sports show, so probably shorter interviews and more interviews per show. So I'm just going to mix it up over the next couple of weeks. I think the next one's, well, today's going to be a full focus on soccer. Next week's going to be a bit of an MMA boxing theme. And then from there on in, I'm, I think I might pick, you know, three or four sports and have one person representing from each just to keep it interesting. But let me know what you think. Do you like the long form interviews? For me, I just wanted to kind of mix it up. I've got my other podcast, the Vision Board podcast, and I'm already kind of doing long-form interviews on that one, so I kind of want to just mix it up and keep things fresh and entertaining, and I really hope that you enjoy this new format. Okay, first guest coming on the show, it's going to be an absolute blast. She's actually joining me from Orlando, Florida, and that's exactly where she plays. She plays for the Orlando Pride. On the weekend, if you haven't yet, uh, maybe Google it or check out her social media, but she scored one of the goals of the year in the American Women's Football League, and it was actually over the league leaders. It was with the score, scores tied to all, pretty much right into injury time. They got fouled right on the area of the box on the left-hand corner. Alana stepped up, and she took a great penalty. So Alana joins me now. Alana. Welcome to the show, and what a cracking goal. Thank you. Okay, first things first. 3-2 win over the league leaders, and 2-all, 90th minute, injury time pretty much, and you step up and score an absolute cracker. Tell us about it. Um, yeah, I, that's something that I practice all the time in training, uh, especially from that particular spot. So uh, I was pretty confident um, stepping up to it. Um, I was a little bit unsure of whether we wanted to win the game or not, but um, I think with the way it, it planned out and the, and the nature of the game was quite a um, rough game. Uh, we ended up 
you know, being happy that we we're going to go to Portland. So I was happy to see it go in and, um, yeah, get a win against the top team. Must give you a lot of confidence, though, especially, you know, before we got on air, we spoke about, you know, you're going into the playoffs now. And to beat North Carolina on their own pitch and the way you guys did it, you know, must give you a lot of confidence going into the finals. Yeah, definitely. Um, for myself, they, they're my former team, so I think it was a little bit extra, uh, a little bit sweeter for me. But, um, yeah, I think we, as I said, we talked about whether, um, you know, whether, whether we wanted to play them or whether we wanted to play um, Portland. And I think in the end we just, we want to keep winning games. And if, if that's against the top team or the second team, it doesn't matter. You have to uh, win every game and beat the best to be the best. So um, at the end of the day, we just want to win right through to the end. Yeah, Alana, you've been in a situation before when you were at New York where, you know, you didn't come first during the normal season, but then you still took out the premiership. In terms of, you know, you guiding some of your teammates now and you're just going off your own experience. What's the difference between finishing first during a regular season and then going all the way? Um, yeah, I think, well, I think firstly there's a lot of pressure on the team who did win, uh, who does win. And obviously that wasn't us last year. I felt we were um, the underdog going into it and possibly a little bit this year, but I think on paper we're quite a threat and, um, regardless of the the third place that we finished, I think um, everyone's aware of the quality that we have in our team. Um, so, yeah, I think for me, um, we beat Portland um, in Portland last year and to have that happen again and then even better um, have a home final in Orlando, that would be pretty cool for me um, personally and for the team. So, um, yeah, I don't feel too much pressure, but I think we're all... I'm pretty happy with how we've, how we've been playing in the form that we're in at the moment. Yeah, you know, for uh, Orlando, you, you play majority in the midfield, and then when you go back to the Matildas, you know, you're the heart of the defence. Is that something that you really like, the fact that you can play two different positions for two different teams? Yeah, I think um, for a while I was a little bit unsure of what position I preferred, but I, I actually quite like the balance between both. Um, I've always considered myself more of a... Um, a footballer and more of a midfielder and I like to be on the ball but um, in the for the Matildas I play a different role but um, it's good being back with Tom I debuted under him in, in the midfield so um, it's good to see him um, play me back there but I also know my role in the Matildas is is in the defence and um, on the rare occasion in the midfield so um, I, yeah I quite like being um, I guess a little bit versatile and just playing the role that the team needs me and I enjoy both positions. Yeah, Alana, take me back to a little bit of an origin story because you grew up in Campbelltown, right? Yeah. Awesome. So because I'm a Western Sydney boy myself, I'm from Quakers Hill, similar to oh. one of your good friends, Kaya, and it's, I had yeah. Kaya on the show <laughs> earlier in the year as well. So we're both Quakers kids. And tell me how you got a little bit into football and you know some of your idols growing up. Um, I, I get asked this question a few times and I, to be honest, I didn't really have many, um, I guess, professional football idols or, um, whatever I did like the way, um, Steven Gerrard played. Um, but a lot of that was because of my, my brother and he liked the way he played. And, um, <laughs> I kind of, I, I now wear number 14 because my brother wore that. So I think, um, as you can hear, I'm talking about my brother. I think my brother was probably one of my, um, my biggest idols growing up and um 
he himself was a pretty good footballer until he, he um, sustained a bit of an injury and ended up having a family. But, um, yeah, I just I really looked up to him and admired um, him and wanted to be be like him and do everything that he did. And, I, I, like I said, I still wear um, the jersey number 14 because of him. So uh, he'd be he'd be my idol growing up for sure. Yeah. At what age did you, you feel that this was something that you could do professionally? Because for such a young age, you're only 22 years of age. You've already played for Australia 50-some times. You know, you've been to a lot of major tournaments and you've already had a couple of seasons in the American League as well. So that's quite an impressive achievement so far. Yeah, um, I think probably um, I've, I've been lucky enough to have, um, you know, quite a, a, a good career so far at such a young age. But um, probably when I was around, I think, you know, 13 or 14 when I got my first call up into the the... Um, under 17s I think it was that's when it all became real I guess and um, I've been lucky enough to just um, progress from there and and sort of make each team um, as time you know as time passed so I think um, that was probably when I realized it was real and um, yeah I think I've been very lucky to to be a part of the team for such a long time at at a young age but I still plan on on sticking around for a while so um, yeah Alana, you know, just looking at the recent results in the Matildas, you know, you've been absolutely sensational. Your series against Brazil, you handled them quite impressively. You go over to America, beat America on their own home pitch. In terms of, you know, you've been in the system for a few years now. Is this the best Matildas team that you've been involved with? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think... We've been for a while. I think we've always known we've had um, all this quality in the team. Um, it's just been, um, I guess, a growing process and a little bit of experience and maturity within the squad that we have, um, which has, you know, come about now um, perfectly. And I think it's a good time for the um, the next cycle that we have coming up. But um, yeah, the quality that we have within the team now, I don't think. Um, you've seen in the past um, however many years that the Matildas have been around, not not to uh, disrespect the, the players that have been around before, but I just think yeah, the amount of quality that we have um, across the pitch and the depth, and I think a lot of that obviously comes from um, the benefits that we've had in the last few years that, unfortunately, the Matildas before us didn't have. So I think a lot of that is um, a part of it too. But, yeah, I would definitely say that this is a special group. Yeah, do you think it comes down to a fair few of you playing in the American League? Because there is now five or six of you that actually are central parts of this huge league. And like realistically, especially in the women's sports, like in Australia, it's still semi-professional. But over when I know when you guys go over to America, that's your full-time job. Is that a big thing for you guys matching it with America to get as many girls over to playing the American League as possible? Yeah, definitely. I think um, this league probably complements our league at home the best. I think in terms of the timing, and it's it's easy for us to come and um, and continue playing for the rest of the year while still being able to be um, at home for the W League and grow our game in Australia. So I think um, that's probably one of the reasons why why it um, you know we have so many Australians here, but also the quality. And I think for us to be able to 
um, I, I think dominate. I, I would say that a lot of the players in this league, a lot of the Australian-based players in this league, have done really well this year. So, um, yeah, it's for us to sort of dominate the league and uh, do well in the league is is really good and. Um, I guess gives you that confidence knowing that you can match it with the best in the world. And as I said, that kind of came with a bit of uh, maturity as well that we've um, seen in the last couple of years And because um, we do have quite a young group. So, yeah, I think that's that's been really, really good for us. Alana, how competitive is it at training? Because at Orlando, you guys have got some absolute superstars. You've got Marta, you've got Alex Morgan, you've got your other Matilda's teammates, Steph, uh, Steph Catley as well, and yourself. You know, there's a whole heap of you guys that are some of the best players in the world. Does that sort of drive at training make you guys all better as well? Yeah, definitely. I think um, you're able to um, push each other and demand the best from each other. And also I think that allows the players around us who are a little bit um, younger or less experienced to um, lift to that level level as well and understand what it's like to be, um, you know, a professional and, and to train with the best. So, um, yeah, I really enjoy that. For me personally, I'm still quite young and, and love being able to grow and learn from other players. And I think I'm very lucky to have played with such um, high-caliber players. Um, so, yeah, I think that definitely helps. And hopefully that's something that we can bring back to Australia and continue to grow for our younger girls. Yeah. How did you feel when, you know, you the games against Brazil, both at Penrith and Newcastle, you guys got absolutely packed crowds and... You know, it's great to see the support of the Australian public for such a great side coming through. What was the the feeling like within the camp, knowing that now that you've got you know the attention and the support of the whole nation? Uh, honestly, I think everyone was just really, really appreciative of the of the support and felt uh, very lucky. And uh, it was a a moment that we'll never forget, um, historic for us. And I think, um, yeah, we were just grateful to see the support um, from from everyone back home. And it was also, I think, one of the things that I uh, really noticed was that there wasn't just young girls in the in the crowd. There was also young boys um, who were yeah. there and and wanted our, our signatures and, and wanted to, you know, to interact with us. So I thought that was really cool. And, I, um, yeah, I just think um, we, we have done really well in the last couple of years and I think we've definitely... Um, earn the respect of a lot of people back home and um, to see them actually, you know, come out to the game and support us um, was really great and we were really happy to see that. Yeah, you guys must be all pumped now for the W League to start. I know that's kind of late October for you guys. Have you confirmed where you're playing this year? Uh, I haven't just yet. Um, I think in the next couple of weeks it'll be done and... um, I have an idea of where I'm playing, but it hasn't been uh, announced. So, <laughs> Yeah, fair um, enough. I'm yeah. hearing rumours. I just didn't want to put anything in your mouth without letting you of say course. first. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think in the next couple of weeks, um, just sort of got to finish up here and and, and um, settle the score here, get it, leave with, it, uh, with the championship, and then hopefully, um, yeah, I'll be able to focus more on what's going on back home. Yeah, definitely. Do you guys get a chance, especially now because it's a bit of an off year in terms of major competitions because next year you've got the Asia Cup and then you've got the World Cup and then you lead into another Olympics. So in terms of a group situation and trying to work out your goals because I know realistically the World Cup is probably a huge goal because you guys, 
your best position that you finished has been a quarter final, which I'm sure that now you guys reflect on it and you go, well, I think we can do a little bit better than that. Do you guys get a chance to sit down as a group and try to work out what you guys want to achieve in blocks, years, and different competitions? Yeah, um, I think at the start of this year, um, especially because it was a new cycle, we um, Stadge is very big on um, making it clear what his goals are for us. And um, a lot of it is to do with our, our team culture and, and um, I guess a little bit of the style that we play, um, not necessarily... Uh, exact goals for tournaments but I think we know that we want um, you know we want to have a gold medal around our necks and we want to have a, a World Cup trophy um, yeah so we do we do talk about that but um, it's it's hard to to get like you said hard to get everyone um, together very often but when we do yeah we, we definitely we're all striving for that same goal and um, those are the things and I think even even in the last World Cup um, we we were happy with that win against Brazil, but we also thought we had um, we had already exceeded Australia's expectations, but I don't think we'd exceeded our own. Um, we were a little bit disappointed with that. and um, So, yeah, definitely I think we, we can uh, go further than a quarterfinal and um, we want to be at the top. We want to be number one. So that's that would be our goal. Yeah, just to get a few insights into how he runs the team, Alana. With, with Coach... Is it a scenario where he brings a few of you guys in to help create a game plan, or is it something that he designs by himself and then gets the opinion after? Like, what's his coaching style in that regards? Um, it's I think um, not necessarily. He doesn't necessarily bring us, um, you know, a few players in, but um, I just think with his um, history and the, I mean, obviously now that we've seen. Um, so many results, everyone trusts him and believes in his plan um, for every yeah. game. So I don't think he really, um, I, w- I wouldn't say he doesn't consider us, he definitely considers us, but that's, uh, he. you know, he knows the, the quality that he has and he knows um, what to do with that. So, um, yeah, I, I would speak very, very highly of Stadge. I think he's a great coach and, um, yeah, he understands the game really well and he knows... Um, he knows what to do and, and what to get out of us and it's been coming together the last couple of years so I'm really happy for both us and him that that's, um, you know, we're seeing results now. Yeah. Alana, just a few personality questions just to wrap up the interview. First one is, do you have any superstitions before a game? <laughs> um, n- not, not really before the game. During the warm-up, I like to um, go last in the line um, and I always make sure I go right around the cone. I never cut the corners. And um, the other one I have is most of the time when I get a drink from the bottle, I always squirt it on the water. Bef- uh, sorry, on the grass before I. Um, <laughs> so there are a couple of little ones, but they're they're almost like habits. And I guess yeah, the the line one's a bit of a superstition. <laughs> All right, Alana, do you have a favorite playing ground? Favorite playing ground. Um, honestly, I'd say our home ground in Orlando. Um, it's the most unbelievable pitch I've played on. The stadium's beautiful. Um, it's very connected to the community and it's a really, um, it's just a really good atmosphere every time we play here and you feel, uh, really comfortable and right at home. So yeah, I love playing here. It's my favorite stadium. Alana, it's such a, you know, great career you've had so far. What would you say was your proudest moment today? 
I think the games back home just recently were probably um, one of my proudest moments. I know that, um, you know, they were just friendlies, but in terms of the um, the huge statement that I think we left on um, Australian football, both men and women's, and even, even just female um, sport in Australia was huge. So I think to be a part of that, um, moment was really cool and um, something that I won't forget and also being able to have my family there um, I love being able to play in front of them mm. Alana I'm just going to take you back to your childhood growing back up in Campbelltown on your bedroom wall growing up what posters did you have on it um, I remember having a this is kind of random and like it doesn't really mean anything <laughs> but I remember having like a Ryan Giggs poster um on my on my wall for some reason um other than that wow i don't know probably like an avril lavigne poster or something like that i was a big fan <laughs> of uh, i'm going to take you back to the present now you're going to be hosting a private dinner party alana you've got five invites now only rules no family or friends but you can invite anyone dead or alive who would you like to invite oh okay um pink um, I feel like I always say Justin Bieber just because it's like an easy go-to, but I don't even know if I would like want to chat with him. Um, <laughs> who else? Oh gosh, that's tough. Um, I don't know. I've got nothing for you. Pink and Pink and Demi Lovato. I like her. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I've got that's all I've got for you. <laughs> no dramas. All right, before I let you go, everyone get following Alana Twitter. She's Alana Kennedy. Facebook Alana Kennedy official and Instagram Alana Kennedy. <laughs> Alana, I really appreciate you taking the time to stop by and have a chat with us today. I wish you all the best in the playoffs. I'm sure you're going to absolutely kill it, and I look forward to seeing you play when you're back in Australia. Cool, cool. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. And guys, that was Alana Kennedy joining me from Orlando, Florida. We wish Alana all the best for the rest of the season in America. And if you haven't checked her out yet, go to a live game. She's, like I said, she's so versatile in both, you know, the positions that she can play, both the midfield and also in defense. So she mixes it up between there with with the national and her also her league team. So I'm not sure where she's going. You know, she's kind of held her cards close to her chest. I've been told in a few rumors that I think Melbourne might be her next destination, but we'll wait in the coming days for her to announce something officially. Okay, guys, let's move on to our next guest, and I'm really honored to bring on probably the best player in the A-League, which is quite the feat. He's had a great international career. Milos Ninkovic is going to be joining me next. He's going to be coming in from Sydney, and he's going to be calling in. Last season, when you have a look, he scored nine goals. He was pretty much setting up all the plays for the Sydney FC. Covers a lot of ground. I read somewhere that he covers somewhere between 10 to 12 kilometers a game. So he's got plenty of wheels. He's got plenty of respect amongst his peers. He was Johnny Warren medalist for the Player of the Year last year. And I think it would not surprise me at all to see him really repeat again. So... Coming up on the line, we've got Milos. Milos, how are you going? Good, all good, all good. How's your day today? A few interviews there today, bud. 
Milos, looking forward to seeing you back in action. You've been, you know, your, your form's been really good, FFA Cup. You guys must be pretty excited, though. There's, there's a chance that, you know, it's going to be you and Western Sydney Wanderers in the final if you get through, if you both get through your semi-final. Have you had much of a chance to think about that? Yeah, look, uh, first of all, we look forward, you know, next game, it's a Melbourne victory, of course. Uh, we want, like I said many times, we want to, to win FFA Cup because Sydney never win this trophy. And last year we, we were close, but this year I think it's a time to, to win this trophy. And, uh, uh, of course, it's going to be exciting if, if you play against uh, Leicester Sydney in the final, you know. But first of all, like I said, we need to, to beat Melbourne. And uh, of course, we have seen it need to, to beat Adelaide, and uh, we'll see. But... In terms of the derby itself, you know, you've been in, in Australia for a couple of years now. You know how ferocious it is. You, you know, you get packed crowds to both, whether you're playing at the football stadium or you're playing at home, Bush, you, it's it's packed. When you, you know, you've, you've played at the, the top leagues in Ukraine and also at Serbia. In those countries, yeah. is there anything similar to the rivalry that the Wanderers and the FC have? Look, uh, yeah, like like you said, I play many derbies, you know, and in Ukraine, Shakhtar and Dynamo, and uh, Serbia, they start against Partizan. I will tell you that uh, I was really surprised when I came here, uh, when I when I saw uh, this type of derby, you know, here in Australia, and uh, I saw that I will never, I will never. Uh, could c- compare any derby with derbies uh, against the Red Star Partisan, but uh, I need to tell you that this one is not like uh, like in Serbia, but it's similar, you know. And similar, I was I was really surprised when I came here, and uh, I remember first first my game was forty five six thousand people, you know, and it was unbelievable. Yeah, is it a little bit surreal because at the two thousand and ten World Cup? You know, you started against Australia. When you think about it all the way back then, did you ever expect to become, you know, come play in Australia? Yeah, good question. I will never, you know. Yeah, like you said, when I played for, uh, against Australia in World Cup 2010, if somebody told me that time, you know, told me, like, you will play in Australia, I will say, yeah, no, 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 no chance, you know. But this is football, this is life, and... Uh, you never know what is going to be happen tomorrow, you know. Yeah. Did um, how did it actually come about that you did actually get the opportunity to come to Australia? Yeah, it was nobody knows this story. But first of all, when I when I uh, finished my contract in France, you know, I had offer from France and for uh, from uh, China and Sydney, Sydney FC, you know. And uh, uh, look, I. I I wanted to 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 come in some league, you know, to to enjoy because in France league is too hard, you know. And I was 30 years old, and uh, I wanted just to go somewhere to to play football and to enjoy, you know. And uh, uh, and I spoke with my wife, you know, and she said, and I said as well, you know, maybe it's better for my kids and for us to live in Australia, in Sydney, than in, in China, you know. And uh, we, we made decision. To, to come here in, and I think that uh, we, we we made good decision. One uh, guy from from Melbourne, Dragan Yertic, he, he called me. I remember 
then I still playing in France, you know, and he said that uh, he he has some offer from me from Newcastle first, so you know, before the season, even before the Sydney, you know, and uh, I said, yeah, I'm interesting, and I I remember that I spoke with uh, coach Phil. I can't remember family Phil Stubbins. Phil Stubbins, yeah? yeah. He was the coach in Newcastle, and I remember we talk about about everything and. Uh, I thought I will go to Newcastle, you know, but after that, Newcastle had some problem with the FSA or something like that. I can't remember. And uh, uh, Zoran, uh, Goran, uh, Dra- sorry, Dragan Yevtich called me again and he said, look, uh, Newcastle has some problem. Uh, Phil Stubbins is not coach anymore there, you know. Do you want to go to Sydney? And I said, yeah, of course. I want, you know, and uh, Sydney is much better option for me and my family than than Newcastle, you know. And after yeah. that, I signed, I signed for for Sydney. But before every, uh, you know, before Sydney, he he called me even two months before before the end of the the the, the season in the France, and he said, "We want to go to Australia, you know. I have some club Newcastle, and one coach want to speak with you, you know." And I, like I said to you, I spoke with. Phil Stubbins, he said, yeah, look, I want to, to, to sign you, you know, and after that, they have some problems, I don't know, uh, they have some problems with the FSA or something like that, uh, I can't remember, and uh, yeah, Dragon after that called me and said, yeah, okay, do you want to, to come in Sydney, you know, and uh, I said, yeah, of course. And that's it. That's all. All story. <laughs> what a fantastic story! Yeah. Well, when it's all said and done, yeah. you got the you got the chance to take the winning penalty in the grand final. Have you had a chance to have a look? Do you do you have you watched the game, Briova? Uh, to be honest, I didn't watch the game, and I just watched the the Penalties. penalty shootout. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. But I, I I have to be honest to tell you that. Uh, most important penalty in this area was Carney, Carney penalty because if you remember Wilco missed the penalty it was 2-1 for Melbourne and uh, if Carney if missed this penalty probably it's all over he will be, yeah it's over yeah, you know but you know yeah, yeah I scored winning penalty you know and, uh, but I think he was more pressure of Carney than, than of me, you know, because uh, look, if I miss this, that penalty, you know, he's still, still, still in, you know, and uh, but Carney, Carney's penalty was, was for me was was more important. Yeah, Milos, are you expecting now that you're the champions? Are you expecting the rest of the league to come at you really hard? Yeah, look, we already played some friendly games with some some early clubs, you know, and I saw that uh, they give, even in friendly games, they give 100% to beat us, and I know that uh, it's going to be it's gonna be hard in, in, in the season, you know, but it's going to be a good challenge for us, and uh, like I said, we work hard in pre-season, and uh, we, are, we are ready for that challenge. Yeah, with, you know, you, you've kind of had a bit of a changeover with the roster. There's three or four of the starting players that are now gone, and you've got three or four new players coming in. How have they settled into the team? Yeah, look, to be honest, yeah, we lost some very important players from last year, but uh, like I said many times today, we signed some unbelievable players and nice people, you know, and uh, 
I expect to that we can be better this year because it's very important that we, we, we kept most of the players from last year and we kept this year and we understand it and understand each other much better and that's why I think that we can be better. Yeah, and has Graham Arnold kept to the same winning style or are you guys gonna be playing a little bit differently this year? Well, the same style I think, you know, because we don't want to change anything. We just want to, to continue to continue what we did last last year and that's it. Yeah, and final question, Milos. You know, last year you had an amazing run of form. Johnny Warren medal winner. You know, from the first year that you came here, your goals went from four to nine. So now we're expecting yeah. double, we're expecting double figures this year, brother. <laughs> Look, uh, really for me, I don't care. Really, I will score ten, fifteen, or sixteen goals or. Uh, just uh, I want to to enjoy to help my teammates and to win no, three trophies this year. And uh, if you win three trophies, we will we will have better year than than last. You know, and uh, it's all about about the team. But uh, like you said, I would like to score more goals, to have more assists. But uh, I just want to 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 win the all three trophies this year, and that's it. Yeah, most definitely. Well, Milos, I wish you all the best of luck for this year. Really enjoy watching you play. And thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you for entertaining. And like I said, I wish you all the best. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Milos. Guys, and that was Milos Ninkovic. Catch him in action as the grand final replay happens on Saturday night. Melbourne victory versus Sydney FC. It's at Etihad Stadium kicking off at 750 should be an absolute cracker. Now, let's get calling over to Perth. We've got Adam Taggart going to be joining us live. But, you know, Adam's got quite the task in front of him. He'll be facing the Western Sydney Wanderers this Sunday at Spotless Stadium. It's going to be quite the interesting battle considering what Tony Popovich has kind of thrown in the spanner last Sunday. The Wanderers, for mine, was they've probably done the best recruiting out of anyone. They're so deep as well, and it's going to be just interesting just to see how the playing group actually just reacts. But on the line now, from Perth, like I said, I've got Perth Glory and Socceroos striker Adam Taggett. Adam, how are you going? Yeah, really good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Let's start in the present. Perth Glory, you had a pretty good season last year. You scored 12 goals. Entering into the preseason now, you've got a. It's a bit of a weird game this week because of all the commotion that Tony Popovich kind of caused over the weekend, resigning and going over to Turkey. So, has that kind of thrown you guys off a little bit, or what are you ex- exactly expecting now out of the Wanderers? Um, yeah, look, it's, it's a bit of a difficult one. I mean, I can't see them being um, so different. Um, going into the game because the, their whole preparation through pre-season has been with, um, been with uh, Popovich, obviously. So I think we'll prepare as, as what we would have um, as if he was still here. Um, but hopefully it's, it's um, you know a little bit tougher for them to get up for the game. Obviously, there's a bit of commotion going on around the club with the, with the new manager and, and things like that. So hopefully it works in our favour. But, you know, like every team, even... I know he's not got sacked, but when a manager gets sacked, you've always got that sort of um, honeymoon period where they where they do, you know, seem to go really well. Yeah. Um, you know, with a, with a fresh face and in charge and things like that. 
Adam, for yourself, just sticking on Perth, you know, like I mentioned, you know, you had a pretty good season last year. You also, in terms of attacking-wise, when you look at things on paper and what you guys produced, with yourself and Andy Keogh and Diego Castro, you guys are quite the the three players in terms of bringing out goals. You all scored 12 goals last year, so that's that's the highest in, in terms of three players amongst any of the other teams. In terms of you guys pressing from just being second, well, you were one game from the grand final last year to now challenging the likes of Sydney NC and Melbourne Victory, why are Perth contenders? Yeah, look, I mean, last year we, we had a great run into the finals. We obviously had a bit of a slow start to the season and, and that's sort of been the case for the last couple of years. So um, there's been a lot of focus on making sure we, we, you know, start the season off right to, you know, to try and get ourselves up there early because, yeah, like I said, it, it is important to, to have a run into the finals. But if we can get the first half of the season right, then, like you said, we're sort of, um, you know, uh, a lot bigger contenders, obviously, with the with Sydney and, and Melbourne and things like that. So we're going into the season pretty confident, I guess, especially off the back of last season. Um, we've got a few fresh faces, and, and we've actually made some some really positive signings on the, in the off season. I think we've sort of gone under the radar, which which will probably work in our favour. As last year, we had a lot of focus on us with a lot of Perth boys coming back. So hopefully, we can um, you know we can hit the ground running from the first game and sort of continue that run on the, into the finals in the second half of the season. Yeah, what can you tell us a little bit about Xavi Torres and Wanderer Andrew? Because they've just both come into the club. It's going to be an interesting game on Sunday because you've got three Spanish guys, they've got three Spanish guys. So it could be uh, quite, uh, you know, a very attacking game and the language out there could be quite quite good to listen to too. <laughs> yeah, lucky I don't understand it. Um, but no, uh, Xavi... Seems a, a top quality player. He's obviously his resume is, is unreal. Um, played at some top clubs and, and you know played in one of the best leagues in the world for, for such a long time. So it shouldn't be a surprise to me or, or anyone else how, how good he is. Um, and I think he'll he'll be a massive boost for us coming to this season. And and as a foreigner, I think he's come here with the right attitude. You know, he's got that winning mentality and, and he's you know he's aggressive and things like that, which I really like and. I really appreciate from a, from a foreigner coming to Australia, so I'm really looking forward to, to him sort of settling in and, and also playing with him, so he's a, he's a massive boost for us. With so many you know, players from coming from overseas, Adam, and even in your experience with you playing in Europe before, when there's so many players coming from different nationalities, is there like, well, there's always going to be a language barrier, but how do you guys make up with that with communication? Um, to be honest, the, the Spanish boys that we have are, are all actually really good um, with their English. Xavi is, um, you know, he's, he obviously always lived in Spain, so I was pretty surprised at how good his English is. He can understand and he can talk really well. Um, it's, only, it's obviously only going to get better the, the longer he's here, but I think it also helps having the other two Spanish boys, Diego and, and Andrea, who, you know, both speak fluent English um, to help translate a few things. Um, yeah, but in terms of the escort, we sort of never had a problem with that. So I'm sure there is um, some areas, and, and I've played, you know, in, in England where that was, yeah, it was a little bit difficult for, for a lot of players. But I, think, yeah. I guess that's just the norm over there, and, and we're just lucky that you know the, the, the three Spanish boys can sort of um, help each other out with the with the language. Yeah, big thing I wanted to talk to you today about was 
you know, obviously the Socceroos, because you're a big part of when they went to the World Cup last time. You're only 20 at the time. Now you've matured a lot. Now you're 24. And, you know, they've got a difficult task coming up itself. It starts on Thursday against Syria. Have you had a, a chance to much to keep an eye on what's going on and for yourself even set goals if they do make it to the World Cup? Yeah, look, I mean, they're obviously in a really difficult situation, but I've got all the belief that, that they'll be able to go through. Um, I think everyone understands how tough the, the challenge is, you know, especially playing against those um, kind of countries with a completely different culture to ours, and it's, you know, sort of do or die for both teams. So it'll be a, you know, massive couple of games. Um, but in terms of myself, I've always got, you know, my long-term goal and, and my goal throughout my whole career is, is to be in the Socceroos and, I don't, I don't sort of shy away from that. Um, you know, I had a bit of an unlucky couple of years with injuries, and, and even last year I was I was hampered a little bit near the start of the season. But now I've got my body as, as good as it's probably ever been. I'm, I'm really looking forward to, um, you know, pushing myself and, and seeing how far I can go and, and try and get myself back in the squad. I mean, you can't focus on that. You need to focus on, um, you know, the process and, and getting better and, and working harder each day. So... I think if you can focus on that, then, then the rewards will follow. Yeah, just to get a few insights here, Adam, is it a situation where you just need to score goals, or is it the fact that Anthony's coaching staff, do they talk to the guys that are on the fringe of the squad on a regular basis? Um, they keep they keep tabs on, on everyone sort of on, on the fringe of the um, of the squad, which is you know, obviously important, and, and they sort of pride themselves in their preparation, so they're always professional in that aspect. Um, in terms of you know goals and things like that, I think it's overall performance and goals. I think you need to, to be able to you know in the system that, that he wants to play. And, and after being there before, I, I really enjoyed the role that I you know that I had there and, and his style of coaching. So um, yeah, I mean, I mean I hope I can get back involved, but I think there's you know it's, it's just it's not as easy as I think. It sometimes gets made out um, you know in terms of people playing a couple of games and then giving getting a shout that they should be in the Socceroos and things like that, you know, I think it's it's almost, I think it was Kevin Musket who said, you know, once that you need to show, show more respect to Socceroos selections and, and I'm of the same understanding. I never think I should just get in there, you know, it's, it's a really tough job and, and you need to put a lot of hard work and really earn it, you know, you need to be consistent every single week being the best player that you can be in your position throughout the country, so it's a tough task, but sort of that, that, that's what it takes to get in yeah, but it must give you a little bit of confidence because, you know, you know what you've been there before. You've got the ability to score goals, and just having a look at the Socceroos' performance over the last kind of eighteen months, that striker position it's kind of been a little bit rotated out between Tommy Jurek and then you've got Tim Cahill has got a little bit older, so he can't really play ninety minutes anymore. So I think for you guys, there's about three or four of you just on that fringe and really pushing to get to that next level. Does that still give you a lot of confidence that you can be involved in the squad? Yeah, of course. I mean, I've always, I've, you know, I believe in myself and, and I believe in in what I can offer. Um, yeah, the, the number nine spot has been up for grabs for a long time. You know, there's been players who are, who are doing really well, but I, I still think there's a, you know, there's a position available. So I'll just keep uh, pushing and, and doing the best that I can do. I've obviously been there before, which, which gives me a good understanding of, of sort of knowing where I need to be at and what I need to be doing. So as long as I can sort of continue that, then I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm really happy if I can um, try to get myself back involved. 
Yeah. T- talk to me a little bit about battling adversity because having a look at your career, great success at the start. Golden boot at Newcastle, like we spoke about. World Cup at 20. And then you obviously go over to England, into Europe. Injury hits you. And then obviously you've got a lack of playing time over a couple-year period. Looking back now on reflection, you know, you're, you're, you're only a young bloke now, then, and you still are now, but you've obviously grown quite a bit since then. What has been the biggest learning experience from that small time window? And how do you see your, your position in the team now? Um, yeah, look, I mean, sort of the, the couple of years leading up to the World Cup and then um, sort of getting my move to England was sort of, yeah, a dream, sort of 12 months and, and had a really good two years leading up to that. Um, you learn a lot when you're injured and, and when you're not playing and, and how tough it is to, to sort of get back back into the you know the playing squad and things like that you know for two years I was pretty much barely on the on the field due to injury so you know in the end I I made the decision to to come back first of all to get my body right um, and then to get playing again and and try and move overseas and and that's still my goal now you know I'm not just content to to just you know stay comfortable in the A-League I want to push myself and and see how far I can go in my career I still think I've got it in me and, and I think if I can keep myself fit you know which I think I've found that sort of the right balance at the moment, then you know I'd be confident to um, to get myself back over there. I'm a lot smarter and wiser, and I understand my body and, and the game a lot more now. So you know it's it was a tough time, but you know you, you learn the most from tough times. So you know I look back with um, you know with a lot of wisdom, and, and hopefully I can really use that to, to push myself forward and and um, you know get my career back on um, back on where I where I really wanted to be. Yeah, is it really tough? Just to get a few insights on to people that never played professional sports before, you know, being so far away in England, away from your family and your friends in Perth, when you do get injured, do you just feel alone? Yeah, look, I mean, mentally it's, it's really, really tough and, you know, I wouldn't wish it on anyone, but there's, there's worse things that happen in the world and that's just part and parcel of football. You make sacrifices, you know, and... And everyone always sees um, everything good that goes on. But, yeah, there's, there's always another side to, to everything, you know, especially in sport, and it sort of normally goes unspoken of. Um, personally, you know, mentally I found it, you know, quite difficult. But, you know, like I said, I look back and it's made me, you know, stronger now to, to sort of have that mentality and, and have that mental strength to, to push myself forward. So, um, you know, I'm happy that it happened now. At the time, it was obviously a bit of a struggle and, and really hard to sort of, you know, get things right. But... Like like a lot of things, um, you know, bad you know bad things happen for a reason, and, and you just got to learn from it and make sure you can um, you know put yourself in a better position than what you were before that happened. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for sharing that, Adam. Now, just a couple of personality ones, just to wrap things up. Adam, why do you wear the number twenty-two? Um, to be honest, I just got it given to me um, in my second year at Glory. I didn't actually ask for it or want it. Um, and then I went to Newcastle and they automatically gave me 22 and asked if I could change um, and uh, I don't think I think Gary Benegma uh, wanted me to wear 22 for some reason and then um, ever since then I just thought you know why, why not it sort of worked well for me the last few years and now I don't want to wear any other number when I went to Fulham I asked if I could wear 22 and I was and I was that number for the second year so when I came back here 22 was one of the only numbers available as well, so I don't know. I think it might just be a little bit of fate. I like 22. I've got a tattoo of 22 on me now. (laughs) 
The lucky 22. I was going to actually ask yeah. you next one, do you have any superstitions or pre-game routines? But I guess that's kind of a little bit of a superstition to have that 22 as well, mate. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, it's, it's weird. Like, I, I never grew up liking 22. It just sort of got given to me, and, and now I love it. Um, there's always other little things. You always put your right boot on before you left, your, your right shin pad on before you left, um, things like that. Um, I always do yoga during the week, so I do a few. <laughs> a few Mate, I was going to actually ask you about this. I saw you doing a little bit of anti-gravity yoga. Yeah, I, I do. Um, I normally go to yoga once, uh, maybe once or twice a week. Um, that was one of the things that I found helped my groin a lot. Um, you know, I sort of did everything apart. Yoga was probably the only thing I hadn't tried before I got myself better, so... Um, that was sort of just something I thought I'd give it a go and, and see how it went. And, and for the last probably three years, I've done it every week, and, and I find that sort of keeps me um, keeps my body right, gets my hips loosened up, and, and strengthens just you know those little muscles around your hips and your, and your pelvis and things like that, which have really helped me um, with my groin problems. So there's a lot of those little things that I do before a game as well. Yeah, it's funny how we. Fine thing is, find things in our twenties that, when we were teenagers, we would have never touched at all. Yeah, exactly. All right, Adam, taking you back to your childhood, what posters did you have on your bedroom wall growing up? Um, poor. there was one stage where I had tons. So I used to have the old Toros up there. Um, Bobby and, and Daniel Mori. Obviously, used to support Perth growing up. Used to go to the games when I was younger, and and obviously you have to have a couple of uh, posters of um, you know some girls in their bikinis when you're younger. To, <laughs> yeah, of course. Cool, mate. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, Adam. Final question: You're going to be hosting a private dinner party. You've got five invites now. Only rules: no family or friends, but it can be anyone, dead or alive. Who would you like to invite? Um. Connor Chapman would be number one because he's the only person that could make me cry when I laugh. Um, <laughs> and I'd, I'd get Elvis, James Dean, um, and maybe George Best. See how he nice goes one. on there. <laughs> Have you ever actually? I watched this great documentary on George Best. It was, you know, one of those thirty for thirties on ESPN. Have you ever seen those? Oh yeah. There was this really wicked one. Yeah, you should definitely look it up if you've got Foxtel at home. I think it's just on that Foxtel, you know, you can you know, you know, can get the back catalogue of it all. But they just had, it's about two and a half hours, but they just go from the start of his career to, unfortunately, you know, how he, he died and, you know, all the stories along the way, all the women, all that sort of stuff. And it's, it's a fascinating tale, mate. You should definitely check it out. Yeah, no, I would. I, I just think I'd be decent. <laughs> Adam, before I let you leave, Everyone get following Adam on Instagram. He's AdamTaggett22. Twitter, AdamTaggett22 as well. Adam, wish you all the best of luck for the season, mate, and good luck on Sunday against Western Sydney, buddy. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. And, guys, that was Perth Glory striker and also hopefully soon-to-be Socceroos striker, Adam Taggart. Catch him in action this Sunday at 6 p.m. at Spotless Stadium as they take on the Western Sydney Wanderers. But it's going to be quite an intriguing clash. Actually, Adam, one of the things that you know I've put Adam down for actually is his golden boot. I think he's going to be really one of the contenders. I, I just had a look at the golden boot stats from last year, and 
Barasha from Melbourne Victory. He was actually the leading scorer last year. I think it was 17 goals that he scored, but five of those actually came from the spot, so from spot kicks, you know, from penalties. So it's going to be interesting with Mark Milligan back in to see actually who takes the penalties at Melbourne Victory. So if he's... His penalties are reduced. It's going to be interesting just to see exactly where that comes. At Perth, there was actually three guys that finished on 12 goals in Andy Keogh, Diego Castro, and our our special guest there, Adam Taggart. So, you know, Adam did score 16 goals back in his best season for Newcastle that year before the World Cup. So in terms of golden boot, if you want to have a bit of a pun out there, I think Barisha, Adam Taggart, and Riera from the Western Sydney Warriors. He's already in the preseason games that I've watched him. He looks like a very, very good player. And when you consider when the new players do gel together, you know, we've spoken already about, you know, Tony Popovich probably not leaving him in the best position. But, you know, if they do gel, you know, Hayden Fox is going to be taking over. So he's already part of the setup. So it could be a smart move maybe to keep him long term. It's going to be interesting to see who they actually do bring in to to actually coach the team moving forward because it is a bit of a pressure. They kind of underperformed last year. After a grand final season, they finished sixth and they got eliminated by Brisbane Raw pretty much in that first semi-final and that penalties when Junpei missed that penalty. So, you know, there's a high, ex- high expectation on the club. You know, next year, not this year, but next year, the, the new stadium is going to be ready. So they're going to definitely want to have a, a bumper year to really take us into both you know, 18 and 2019. Before I let you guys go, I'm just going to give you my tips, my predictions on where I think people, the teams are going to finish on the ladder. You know, This has been adjusted because of the popo factor. I actually had Western Sydney Wanderers finishing in the top two. I've kind of got rid of that now. I think Sydney FC will probably repeat and you know, they're valid favorites to be champions when you have a look at who they've signed they had a special team last year it was the first time i've seen in the a-league a team of really just depth just quality when you had a look at the five reserves that they brought into the grand final those five guys would probably be starting in any other club but somehow you know graham arnold's done it again and he signed some absolute i can't believe that they've actually upgraded their team when you think the losses they've had you know daddy vukovic Philip Olosko, you know, Bernie Abini. You've also got Ryan Grant that's injured at the moment. And then you you go back and they sign Luke Wilkshire, who I believe over, you know, the, his Socceroo periods in when he played in that right back position, he was solid. He was just really solid player, one of the best players every single time they played. And I think he's going to add a new dimension to Sydney FC. Also, Adrian, I think I'm going to blow this surname, but Mir Zuski. You know, he's got just such great pedigrees, played for Poland on so many occasions, and he's just highly rated. I remember watching a couple of weeks ago in their their FFA Cup game against Melbourne City, and he just tore them up, and he looked in third gear. So it's going to be interesting once he finds his legs in Australia just how good Adrian can be. But I'm expecting them probably to be really big front runners to start the competition. I mentioned Mark Milligan before. I think he's going to be a huge addition to the to the Melbourne Victory team. He just adds so much stability and leadership, as I did mention. They've all, already got a core 
nucleus of such a great team already. So he just adds there. I think Reese Williams will be a key signing as well. He's played so many times for the Socceroos. He's got a lot of uh, experience back in England as well. You know, during the offseason, I actually thought that they might struggle a little bit. You know, they lost their wingers, Rojas, and also uh, Fahid Ben, uh, Khalifa. I'm just going to struggle to say that as well. And, you know, with the two wingers getting out, I thought, you know, who are they going to bring in? But they also always had that, that key sort of stability through the likes of James Troisi and Barisha as well. So they're two very, very classy guys. And like I did mention, you add Mark Billigan and Reese Williams, you got Costa Barbarousas coming back into the mix. And I think they're going to do very, very well. Also Thomas Deng as well. So they've got quality coming through the roof. Third position, I actually think the team on the most improved will be Perth Glory. They've already got, as everybody knows, probably... The the best attacking when you think about the trio between Keo, you know, I guess Taggart, and also Diego Castro. You add, you know, the other two Spaniards into the midfield, as well as Mitch Nichols, you know, they've got a very, very solid midfield into attacking quarter. So it's gonna be up to their defence. How much do they want it? You know, they've lost a couple of good defenders in Reese Williams and also uh, Risden, who's gone over to the Wanderers, and I think he's probably going to be one of their key signings as well. But I'm expecting Perth to be very, very good if they can really just really be consistent at home and grab some great away victories. I think you're going to see them really contending for that top two spots. And like I did mention before, I think Adam Taggart's going to be very, very close to the golden boot. Fourth position, I, it hates me to say it because I love the Wanderers. I think they'll improve this year. But just the whole Popovich thing really, really just throws a huge spanner in the works. It's going to be an unknown quantity for maybe a couple of months. Hopefully they do come out of the blocks really well. They've signed really, really well when you think about players of the quality of Michael Twaite and Chris Hurd, two guys that have played a lot of football with the Socceroos and back overseas as well. I think they're going to really just bring some leadership back into the Wanderers team. The one I really love is Mark Bridge. He's just a through-and-through Wanderer, and I think he's really just going to help the dressing room, just really settle, especially it's pretty crucial during this time. There's two really outstanding Spaniards. There's a lot of expectations in Riera and also see Judo. It's going to be interesting to see just exactly how they go. One guy I haven't even mentioned yet is Josh Risden. Popper actually wanted him for like three or four years, so it's it's really surprising now that you know he doesn't really even get to coach him in a normal Premier game, but... They're going to be firing. They're going to have Santa back on the bench, the super sub. Also, I'm, I'm expecting Bridgie to probably start from the bench as well. So that's two great guys to bring off the bench. It's going to be interesting. Like The key, I think, will be Rolly Bonivacia. It's He's coming over from the Phoenix, uh, you know, from Phoenix and Wellington Phoenix. And it's going to be interesting just to see how he settles in the team. That, that number 10 role is probably... Just the only position that we probably have a bit of an unknown quantity. Rolly's a great player, and I'm sure that with the quality around him, he's going to have an outstanding season. But there's probably going to be a little bit of pressure from both. You know, I think Mark Bridge can probably play in that position as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how you know how many minutes Bridgey can actually play in the legs. So I think Wanderers are going to have a fantastic season. I think they've kind of copied the formula from Sydney FC last year in terms of stability and depth. So I think that's going to be a major factor 
moving forward. Fifth place, I think Adelaide is going to take that out. I can just see them being consistent. They're a very consistent team across the park, and I think they will surprise. The surprise packet, a lot of them, people are tipping these Newcastle to finish in the bottom three, but I actually think they've purchased really, really well. I think stability from the back, Nikolai Topol-Stanley, I'm a huge fan of him, and he's been on the show before. If you haven't yet, please check out our episode with Nikolai Topol-Stanley. It's a bit of a longer chat, one of my longer form interviews, about half an hour, but Nikolai's a great guy. One of the ones I think are going to really surprise you is Dimitri Petrados. I was really impressed with how he was playing for the Brisbane Raw last year, and I think he's going to really just move on to bigger and better things. Roy O'Donovan, unknown quantity from the Mariners, if he can produce the form that he did last year, could put a lot of goals in, as well as Daniel Georgievsky. He played very, very well, especially in the grand final for the victory. And there's huge raps on their marquee, Ronald Vargas. So it's going to be interesting to see. Again, they probably haven't been playing with each other too long. When you think there's probably five or six players who they've signed will probably be starting this year. So it's it's quite the big change. But, you know, I'm expecting them to actually push and push hard. And if they can get the support of the Newcastle people, Hopefully, they'll do really, really well. It'll be interesting. They haven't been in the finals for a long, long time. I think I was talking like seven or eight years. So it'll be interesting to see how they go. I think the struggle streeters will be Wellington. How, how's Dario Vitisic going to come? I think that's going to be a big telling factor on how they perform. Melbourne City, they're the ones that I'm a little bit afraid. Like They've got, obviously, great, great players. When you think of Bruno Fornaroli, Tim Cahill, but... Timmy's not the player that he was four years ago, probably not even two years ago. His ability to play 90 minutes, probably not there. Bruno won't be playing probably for the first couple of months with his injury, so it's going to be interesting just to see if they can keep in touch with the leaders, but I'm expecting those two probably to be the big strugglers. I think Central Coast and Brisbane will push for finals, and it's just going to be one of those luck games with injuries and things like that. I think Central Coast will be continue to be a big improvement. I really enjoyed watching them play under Paul Ocon last year, and I think with Daniel De Silva back in the fold, I think they'll definitely be very, very entertaining, and hopefully the Central Coast public get right behind them. Okay, before we go, we've got a big round of A-League on Friday. It's going to be kicking off with Melbourne City versus Brisbane at Amy Park. Saturday sees Central Coast and Newcastle in the derby at Central Coast Stadium. Kicking off at 5.30, Melbourne Victory will be versing Sydney FC in the grand final rematch. That's at Etihad Stadium at 7.50. Sunday, Wellington will be playing Adelaide. That's at Westpac Stadium, kicking off at 3 p.m., and Western Sydney versus Perth will round out the action with kickoff at 6 p.m. at Spotless Stadium. So I hope you really enjoyed the new format of the show. Let me know what you think, whether you want me to go back to doing long-form interviews or you like having the you know the shorter, kind of more in-depth, kind of game-related sort of interviews. I, I kind of really enjoyed bringing you this new sort of standard. So let me know what you think. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to the show via iTunes or you can check it all out at www.talkingwithtk.com. 
If you want to connect with me online, please, Facebook, I'm at Talking with TK, Twitter, TNL Fitness, or Instagram, Tristan Nell. Or if you want to find me directly, please send me an email, Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com. Let me know who you think is going to win the Socceroos versus Syria game. Who don't we have in the squad at the moment who you think might actually make a bit of a run? Who's your tip for the A-League? And who's going to take out the golden boot? But until next time, I really hope that you enjoyed the episode. We had some great guests in the likes of Alana Kennedy, Milos Ninkovic, and also Adam Taggart. So I really enjoyed bringing this episode to you. And please tell your family and friends about the show. We're going to bring some of the biggest and best guests coming up. Next week on the show, it's a bit of a boxing and UFC theme. Mark Hunt's going to be joining us from Thailand. George Cambosis is fighting next week, so we'll check in with him. Luke Jackson just fought, so we'll be checking in with him as well as Alex Volkanovsky. But until next time, I'm Tristan Cannell, and this was Talking with TK. 